Welcome to The Trail Less Traveled, an adventure series dedicated to taking you back to mankind's earliest form of entertainment, storytelling. Missoula, Montana is a mecca for outdoor enthusiasts, and each week we will bring you tales of outdoor adventures both near and far, as well as adventure information and inspiration and a few tunes to set the mood. You can read more about the show online at traillesstraveled.net. And now here's your host, Grand Canyon Whitewater Guide, yoga instructor, and master of the didgeridoo, Mandela. You're listening to The Trail Less Traveled, the community's source for adventure information and inspiration. And this evening, I'm sitting with a friend of mine, Carl Tenamu. Carl was born in Ratahi, but he has called Queenstown his base camp, his home for the past 22 years. An absolutely beautiful view looking out from the front of Carl's home at the Frankton Arm and the Remarkables mountain range. I wanted to first of all thank you so much, Carl, for your energy and joining me here on the Trail Less Traveled. No worries. Uh, pleasure to be here, Mandela. This is awesome. Now, the first time I saw Carl, I will not forget. I remember I was on the Milford track, and I was learning about how we guide that tour because I also work in Milford as a sea kayak guide and sometimes as a, I reckon you call it a nature guide on the Milford track. And we sometimes hike folks up to Giants Gate Falls, which is a phenomenal place. There's a wicca up there that became good friends with me. Not from feeding him, just from hanging out. And uh, I remember seeing Carl, and he was just articulating the ecology, the history, and the area. Because he as well works as a nature guide on the Milford Track. Yeah, it's one of those beautiful places in the world. Milford Sound in itself is, is spectacular. As soon as you come into the into the fjord, the mountains just, just blow you away. Everything's just coming straight out of the out of the water, straight out of the valley floors. So yeah, it's a spectacular place and some of the the nature is so ancient. Uh, you're looking at some of the most primitive things to ever come from the planet. Some of the very first things to come up onto land out of the water actually exist in Milford Sound. So it's an incredible spot. Very primeval, very spectacular, spectacular place to be. Carl, can you tell us what you do down in Milford Sound? I've experienced being on your bus. You know, you drive the bus oftentimes, leaving Queenstown on Sunday morning, and the entire time you guys are articulating the scenery that we're going through and the geology of the place and the history of the place. Yes, yeah, so in some ways, I'm kind of like an introduction to New Zealand. We're trying to explain a, a bit of our history, our culture, and try to piece it together so it matches everyone's idea of how things fit together and we're trying to get it across from our point of view and and our angle. New Zealand's quite a new country, it's really one of the last places to be settled by human beings so it's got a short human history but of course like all, you know, every country it's history as long as you can imagine so trying to explain it all is quite incredible. Yeah, the nice thing is I take a trip of uh, a group of people down into the fjord and along the way we're going to just stop and have a look at little points, different contrasts of nature, different areas I guess 
we could call it scenery, but they're different ecosystems, different habitats, and often they're separated by tens of thousands of years, each ecosystem, but they're great examples of certain time, certain points in time, from Ice Age points to Jurassic points and everything in between. So you can try to transport people to these places and you have great examples all around you as you're moving through and eventually we'll make our way through into the fjord and yeah the whole time it's just spectacular scenery just ramping up yeah i guess i just interpret things for people what they're seeing and try to get them to understand new zealand's point of view carl i'd like to learn about the evolution of you as an adventurer so my first question is, where did you grow up and how was adventure a part of your childhood? Well, one of the amazing things about New Zealand, it, it's just got rafts of amazing things. You cannot imagine, really. Uh, you're looking at a country with almost every kind of landscape condensed into a very, very small area, three small islands. And from the top, you've got tropical fish, uh, reefs, uh, subtropical forest with parakeets flying through it and you make your way down to volcanic areas with crater lakes and hot pools and geysers and top of this island you've got sounds proper sounds you know you'll make your way around the corner to golden beaches with native forests hanging over them with blue blue water and beautiful fish and sea life all through it down the other side you'll have a rugged coastline with dense forests from temperate rainforest to cool temperate rainforest you'll get high altitude mountains giant glaciers fjords come up around the other side you can come up to uh, giant lakes freshwater lakes river systems semi-arid deserts the plains of canterbury all the way up back to the top again and it's an incredible place to explore you can just jump in your car point it in one direction for a couple of hours and you will come across a totally different landscape than what you saw before and that's a magical thing it's something you can't imagine it's like instead of having to jump on a plane and see another country like come from the beaches to the mountains the high altitude mountains you can just jump in your car and drive a couple of hours and you'll see something incredible but the other things about New Zealand are we have no well, for a start, we have no snakes of any kind. There are no poisonous insects or spiders that we know of in our forests or our mountains. A couple of toxic spiders, but they're nothing like the ones that you get overseas. They're very rare. They're only found either in very rare parts of New Zealand, like beaches and desert areas. But apart from that, we have no large mammals. So, Because New Zealand had no mammals of any kind before humans came to it, so every mammal... Anything that has four legs and fur was brought here by humans and probably in the last couple of hundred years mainly. So that means there are no bears or tigers or wolves or lions stalking us in the forests and stuff. No crocodiles in our waterways. Really, all that can catch you out in New Zealand really are the quick weather changes, incredibly quick weather changes, extreme. Rivers come up and down really quickly avalanches in winter and just general nature itself but apart from that there's nothing stalking you in the forest so what it meant was when you're a young kid you can literally be let loose into the forest and uh, as long as you didn't get lost as long as you knew your way around 
you could really explore and you could get right into it and that's the great thing about New Zealand you can just get right into the nature and uh, let yourself go nothing's going to really come out and bike you you can pull out something with a thousand legs and a thousand eyes but it can't actually hurt you so it's quite incredible yeah it's one of the special things about New Zealand you can explore what it really meant was as a Kiwi kid you grow up and you're in a primitive place you know the forest is dense but it can't really hurt you so you can go in there and you can find your way around pull out a creature pull it out have a look at it and just get right into it and what I would do when I was real young first things we did was we'd camp out on the woodshed which was just down the back of my aunt's farm lifestyle block thing but it backed up onto the national park and we'd camp out on the woodshed and we'd just watch shooting stars and other things from the top of this woodshed and the thing about it is in New Zealand we do have some of these introduced mammals have become problems and we have wild pigs and they would come down and you'd hear them running around you'd hear the possums running around and the old kiwi would be running around the back as well so a lot of life running around at night and you get used to it and so it becomes comfortable and you enjoy being out there with all those interesting strange noises progress from there I started camping out by myself when I was really young, probably doing solo camping missions, about 12. But the whole time camping out with friends and family in the mountains of New Zealand. Just really exploring, looking at all the interesting things that were around us, trying to work out how they got there and why they got there, how they fit in with the rest of the world. And New Zealand's a point and place, yeah, the whole time just exploring, so... Yeah, lots of great camping missions in remote places, just from the back of the house. Being a national park, being that it backs onto a national park of New Zealand, you've got some incredible animals there. Just in the backyard, growing up and pulling out, I think it's called a pleatus, a velvet worm. One of the oldest creatures, one of the very first creatures to come up onto land. Their first fossils around, or the fossils they found, are 500 million years old, so quite a cool thing and I'd be playing around with these creatures in the backyard just thinking they're an everyday thing nothing special but they're incredible and the whole park's like that there's trees and ancient trees things that you can't believe but it can't hurt you so you can really get into it grew up exploring the backyard really and just expanding expanding and school started taking out camping trips the school camp teaching other kids how to start fires and orientate through the forest and confidence course building. One of the cool things that really influenced me was I had a school teacher, my math teacher, who was a guy named Hugh McCleary. And the thing about Hugh was he realised that I wasn't going to be a great rugby player. You know, in New Zealand, uh, everyone strives to be a rugby player when you're that age, when you're a little boy. But I was a lot more weedier than the rest of the boys, so that wasn't going to work for me. And there was a group of us, you know, kids that probably weren't going to be able to play rugby. He turned out to be an outdoor instructor because he was from Scotland and they had already established outdoor schools up there. So when everyone else would go out to play rugby and stuff like that, we'd go kayaking and rock climbing. And that's probably what got me into the technical side of the outdoors was Hugh McCleary. He went on to start the very first 
outdoor college of New Zealand. I progressed through that, hunting, exploring, fishing, all through New Zealand, kayaking and stuff. Did competition kayaking from quite a young age. And then Hugh invited me to come up to his outdoor college. It was quite renowned by then, and, and he trained me technically. Taught me all the technical skills of guiding. And that was quite an amazing adventure in itself, because I had to stay on a farm. I was billeted on a farm, and I had to work on the farm to pay for my board. And then I'd go to the outdoor college, which was in a remote part of New Zealand, and work on the farm. The amazing thing about the farm was it was transitioning from using horses for farm work to motorbikes. So they still had horses. And that was a cool thing for me because with all these outdoor skills, I suddenly was able to learn how to use animals and use them properly. That was quite a cool skill to understand, and I do a lot of exploring on horseback through the backcountry for a while. That was pretty fun. And then after that, I think I did about three hitchhikes around the country, exploring the country. Just put my thumb out. Working in really remote parts of New Zealand, like farms, orchards, timber mills, random places, just exploring the country and meeting all the people of New Zealand. At that time, I really actually thought I could meet my country. It was a very small country, probably about 3.7 million people in the country. And a good chunk of them just lived in our major city, Auckland. So in the rural areas, you could get around and meet a lot of people in these labouring jobs, these temporary labouring, orchard, fishing, lumber kind of jobs, milling jobs. And that was fun. And I met a lot of people that way. And yeah, that's probably what inspired me of where I wanted to live, Queenstown. Because I'd come down here on visits, odd little missions, circuits around the island, uh, working and playing. And I realised that Queenstown had something special. There was no other place like it in New Zealand. From Queenstown we could hit Mount Aspiring National Park, one of the most beautiful parks in New Zealand, Fiordland National Park, the Catlins, the bottom of the island, Central Otago, which is a desert, Mount Cook National Park, which is a high-altitude national park, and then the glaciers on the west coast. And we were situated in one of the most beautiful places of them all. But they're all in striking range, and that's what really gave me the idea that Queenstown was special. But it didn't come to me straight away. My first jobs in the town were just basic, uh, working in restaurants, uh, bars, or being a bartender, very basic things, but eventually I actually got out of hospitality and went to landscaping, and landscaping was a good thing, that taught me how to work hard, really hard. The winters in Queenstown are cold, and landscaping in the wintertime is is hard work. Uh, You could be punching through permafrost sometimes, and the whole time I'd be snowboarding winter and doing missions in the summer and in between the landscaping, and yeah, that was pretty cool. I got to build a lot of cool features of the town. So a lot of my work you can still see around the place actually. So it's quite cool. I enjoy that. What it really did was it taught me my plants well. And that's when I realized that I could just take people. The first things I did were simple guiding, like basic four-wheel driving and snowmobiling and simple things where I didn't need to know much nature. Just technical skills, mechanics, avalanche danger, avalanche awareness, snowpack analysis. Uh, But 
the real botany didn't come till later. And once I'd mastered the skills of just leading groups, that's when I realized I could take people back into the mountains, back into my home, and show them those animals that I found when I was a kid. And that's my real passion, those animals, uh, the plants that I grew up with, showing those off. That's the real fun stuff, so that probably sums me up. I'm probably just a nature guide. Beautiful. If you just tuned in, you are listening to The Trail Less Traveled. And my guest this evening is Carl Tainamu, who is an adventure guide living here in Queenstown, New Zealand. When we come back, we're going to learn more about Queenstown. But Carl, I'd love for you to share a song with us now. Perhaps a song that reminds you of your early childhood adventures. It's a very hard thing to pick a song. My whole life has been spent around music as well. It's uh, one of my favorite things the whole time I've been spending it around music in different parts of my life, of course. As you do different things, you listen to different music from the stuff your parents used to listen to, Pink Floyd, Beatles, uh, Dire Straits, Hendrix, David Bowie, you know, all his stuff was amazing. But right through to modern times, you know, when we were going right into it, when we were climbing hard and kayaking hard and we were listening to things like Rage Against the Machine, you know, real cool stuff, you know, Nirvana, it just comes through. I couldn't really name one song to sum it up, it's just a medley of great tunes. This podcast is brought to you by Karuna Clothing. Karuna Clothing is handcrafted from natural fabrics, which soften as they age. Currently with design workshops in Missoula, Montana, and Mendocino County, California. All of their clothing is sewn and dyed in the United States. Karuna Clothing is sewn with love and laughter, and designed simply with the use of the best fabrics. They create their own unique colors, creating small batch product lines, which are simply beautiful. Karuna clothing is the first thing I toss into my suitcase when recording on location for the trail less traveled. You can find out more by visiting karunaclothing.com. That's K-A-R-U-N-A clothing.com. Back to Mandela and the trail less traveled. I'm sitting with a friend of mine, Carl Tenamu. Carl was born in Ratahi, but he has called Queenstown his base camp, his home for the past 22 years. Carl, you spoke of your ancestors running around in the mountains of the Southern Alps a few months ago when we were in Milford hanging out. Yeah, my family are part of a Northland tribe of New Zealand, of Māori, known as Napui, which translates directly to the people of the forest, and settled in the country around about 900 AD. So probably for about a thousand years, been running around the mountains and forests of New Zealand. It is another nice thing that I like to think just in the back of my head is that uh, because some of our trees are quite old you know maybe 800 years old uh, some of our trees in the forest I like to think that 
they might have seen some of my ancestors, maybe a grandfather or a great uncle or something like that, running through the forest at one time. So it ties me in. I like to think that the forest knows my family. Carl, you've been based in Queenstown for the past 22 years. It's your base camp. You've got a beautiful home here that's looking at the Remarkables mountain range. And you mentioned a mountain, Cadrona, about a month ago. We were drinking a beer in Fjordland, and the way you spoke about this place, it was very obvious that it meant a lot to your heart. And uh, you spent a lot of time there, snowboarding mainly. You have a passion for snowboarding. So I'd love to ask you about snowboarding and this mountain, Cadrona. All right, so to the local people, Cadrona is known as Cardis. And it is the best snow sport facility for tricks and freestyle in the Southern Hemisphere. And so we've got a lot of cool people come down here to train. Yeah, one of my favorite hills. Extensive backcountry, but it's got a bit of everything. It's got very technical jumps, very technical half pipe, super pipe, big air. So it's a neat place for everyone to sort of be at. You've got big wide sweeping runs for mum and dad and the kids to learn on. You've got intermediates for kids to explore. I mean, you've got some good technicals, good steep shoots, valleys as well as the epic backcountry. It's got very hidden backcountry in Cardrona. So I've spent a long time at Picardi's and a lot of our friends, we prefer Cardrona and the Remarkables as our favourite mountains to ride these days. Um, we're very lucky. We've got four pretty technical mountains around us. We've got Coronet Peak, Remarkables, Cardrona and Treble Conaby, the furthest. Yeah, we're very, very lucky. And in the wintertime, we've got some of the top athletes of the snow sport world training down here because we've got a lot of terrain. We've got fairly consistent snow, actually, so you can come down here and train. Bacardi's is my favourite. Remarkable's next. The steeps of Remarkable's can't be beaten anywhere, really. Now, speaking of the Remarkable's, I've heard a couple of different versions as to why they're called the Remarkable's. You could tell us about this mountain range that, uh, I don't know, if I moved about five meters over, I could actually probably see them. And the last light of the day is perhaps on these mountains. They change many different colors when the sun sets and rises. And they are also the mountains that were used in the Lord of the Rings film. They were the Misty Mountains or Mordor in the Lord of the Rings film, if you want an image to go with these mountain range. Carl, can you tell us about them, please? Yeah, so the Remarkables, probably the next best feature to see from Queenstown. You've got the big lake, Lake Wakatipa, in front of you, in front of the town. It's a huge lake, very large one, about, uh, for you guys, 50 miles long. So it's the third largest lake of our country, all fresh water and drinkable. It comes in between 97 and 99% pure, so you can drink straight out of it. If you put a glass in there, it's crystal clear when you pull it out. But the next feature behind the lake is the Remarkables, a huge slab of rock just sitting there coming straight out of the ground. It could just be called the Remarkables because of its beauty. Over the seasons the colours change, the shadows lengthen in certain little gullies and ridges and, and it's just a stunning mountain to have behind the lake in front of the view of the town. 
there is a story behind the reason why the mountain got its name. And it's to do with the very first settler surveyors that came into the area to farm. So the first European surveyor settlers, when they came into here and they started to measure these mountain ranges up, when they surveyed up the Remarkables, they realised that it ran true north and south. And we have many, many ranges in our country that have a northern-southern aspect. There's many ranges around the world that have a northern-southern aspect, like the Appalachians, Andes, uh, many on our own country in the mountain ranges of the Southern Alps of the South Island. But none of them run bang on the compass line. There's only one other in the world, and it's in the Rockies in Colorado. So this mountain range is a natural compass, and because of that, You can see the direction of the range and the natural line of the poles and they thought that that was quite remarkable. That's basically the story that got it its name, the Remarkables. Because for a thousand years before that, it was actually called the Kaurau, to stand. You're listening to The Trail Less Travelled and tonight the show is featuring Carl Tainamu, who is an adventure guide, nature guide here based in Queenstown, New Zealand, but oftentimes traveling and guiding in Fjordland National Park, Atafenewa, the land of shadows, in Piopiotahe. Carl, let's talk about Queenstown and the beginnings of this place. Now it's just a mecca for outdoor recreation in the summertime. You've got everything from mountain biking, whitewater, kayaking, rafting, uh, rock climbing, and a plethora of other activities. And then in the wintertime, which I get the feeling is one of your favorite times of year here, so you can ride your snowboard, you've got so much in terms of access to the wild in the form of mountains, rivers, and sky with paragliding. Can you tell us about the beginnings of Queenstown? I heard that it was actually a sheep station. Yeah, to start with, Queenstown was a farm, uh, just a giant farm just two guys basically two farmers owned either side of a lake and huge farms two farmers really just running either side of a lake this side was a guy named William Rees the other side a guy named Nicholas von Tunzelman they both had pretty good grazing but you need very large stations very large farms down here to make them work because up here in the high country is high altitude so as you can imagine for a pasture ratio down low it's uh, four sheep per acre up here in the high country it's one sheep per four acres so you need a lot more land to make it viable so these are huge farms this carried on pretty well for quite a while. The, you know, these guys made quite good money farming from the area. It wasn't a town. There was no towns on either side. It was just two giant farms, middle of nowhere. And it wasn't until the 1860s when they actually found gold. In the 1860s, they found gold in central Otago, just around the corner from Queensland. But in 1862, they found gold in Queenstown, and it kicked off a huge gold rush and turned a place that had about 10 to 20 people just working on a farm into a proper town. Almost 5,000 people turned up overnight. The town started to grow and the farmer actually had his land confiscated off him so that um, the gold could be extracted. So there's a law in New Zealand that says that if you find uh, minerals or anything, it's a National Resource Act or something like that, 
the government can actually come and take your land off you. They'll try and pay you a compensation for it, but really, most farmers don't want oil or ore or anything like that found on their farms. It can be quite devastating for them, actually. And this is what happened to Rees. Uh, so he lost his farm, and he started to sell goods to these gold miners that had come into the town. And from that point where he started to sell around his farm buildings, his old farm, he just started up a shop and stuff, that's where the town grew from. So Queenstown grew from William Rees's misfortune, really. He still made a lot of money selling supplies and equipment to these gold prospectors, but originally he had a huge tract of land. But that's how Queenstown kicked off. And then I guess the gold rush kind of waned out a bit and gold was getting hard to find. So farming, again, took uh, preference. And all through the time, right up until adventure tourism really started, first it started off as just scenic tourism with people just coming to see the beautiful scenery of the area because it's surrounded by stunning places. Uh, People were always going to Milford Sound, even in the late 1800s. In the Victorian times, they coined the term for the place as being the eighth wonder of the world. So many people wanted to come and see the place. But it was hard to get to, you know, a lot of dirt roads, uh, you know, rickety places, boats to take you to these places. And it could take you weeks to get to these places. But it was always renowned as being beautiful. But I guess it really kicked off once the roads were put in properly. And the system, and probably in the 50s when all the bridges were put across the river systems and you didn't have to ford the rivers anymore. That's probably kicked off the very start of the tourism we start to know as uh, tourism today. Scenic tourism, really, based around scenery. I mean, it progressed to, I guess you could say, adventure tourism. Probably the very first things were things like the jet boat. Once the jet boat was invented, that's probably started the very first thrill rides of adventure tourism back in the late 50s. And then I guess it really hit its peak when A.J. Hackett and Henry Van Ash kicked off the bungee system. That's probably when it really started to really kick off. But really it was always based around the amazing scenery and taking people out to see it hunting, fishing, forward driving, history, nature. All that guiding was going on all the time. But adventure tourism, these thrill rides in the national parks and stuff, that really kicked off when AJ Hackett and Henry Van Ash pulled off the very first bungee jump operation in Queenstown. That's when adventure tourism kicked off. And now we have every kind of modification of it, you know, every type of adventure tourism you can imagine, from mountain biking down these amazing places to, you know, every jet boat run you can imagine into beautiful places. You've got aerial adventures where you can go paragliding or hang gliding or skydiving. You can go into all the beautiful hikes and stay in amazing accommodation as you make your way around the beautiful and very distinctively different national parks different ecosystems, climbing, snowboarding, everything you can imagine. It's a rafting and it's a raft of activities down here. (laughs) Awesome. The trail us travel this evening leads to... Queenstown, New Zealand, which is one of the most phenomenally adventurous towns in the world. And tonight we're featuring Carl Tainamu, who is an adventure guide based here in Queenstown. When we come back, we're just going to learn a couple of adventure tips from Carl. 
But Carl, it's time now for another song. And you're a musician who's about to head over to Mount Cook to meet up with your band and do some missions over there. But can you share another song with us, please? All right. Shapeshifter. Shapeshifter's latest tunes. I love their tunes, but I can't remember them right now. (laughs) It's The Trail Less Traveled with Mandela. Tonight, The Trail Less Traveled is featuring a phenomenal person and nature guide, Carl Tainamu. Carl has been calling Queenstown, New Zealand his home and base camp for the past 22 years. We're recording this evening in Carl's backyard. It's a bit cold because New Zealand is transitioning to the winter season, but uh, we're both bundled up. And Carl, I'd like to ask you now about soul. I've got one more question for you, and it's about the soul of Queenstown. Because you and your mates, your tribe, who's here, have been here for a long time, and you've seen this place explode around you, and it becoming what I've heard many call the adrenaline capital of the world. And I'm just wondering what the soul of Queenstown is. Those who are based here and continue to call this place home as it grows around them, what's bringing them back? What's the soul of Queenstown for you and your tribe? All right, good call. So it doesn't sound like it has much soul, to be honest, because uh, adrenaline is a fleeting moment. But a lot of it is based around the amazing activities, the amazing sports that you can do around the town. And I think that's what really bonds the town together. Everyone here loves some form of a sport that's outside, some type of sport. They might be anything from sailing to climbing to kayaking to snowboarding to paddleboarding, you know, kayaking, paragliders, gliding... We've got so many different sports that we can hit. In fact, someone said that we can do almost anything here except for surf. And you can even do that sometimes. So I think that's what really ties the town together really is its love of outdoor sports. Utilizing the nature and really enjoy it. You know, just utilizing nature to explore your area and just enjoy what you've got at your disposal finding different ways of enjoying it, uh, finding new amazing things to do. That really does tie the whole town together. The bank manager in the bank, okay, he might be using a computer all day, but when he's got his weekend, he'll be out there paddling around the lake or he'll be out there mountain biking down some amazing place. And that's what ties the town together. You could be a kid that's working on computers that normally in a town... You know, if it's not Queenstown, probably means that you'd be a bit of a away from the outdoors. You know, you're interested in more technical things. But in Queenstown, everyone here from the bank manager to the lawyers to the accountants to the kid on the street that's just working in a bar to just pay for his, his next visa and his next mission overseas somewhere, you know, they're all tied together through some love of some type of outdoor sports. You know, it could be anything. I think that's really the soul of Queenstown is this love for the outdoors, this love for nature and enjoying nature and finding new ways to enjoy nature. That is the voice of Carl Tainamu, who has been my guest this evening on the Trail Us Traveled. And I just would like to thank you so much, Carl, for your time and energy joining me here on the Trail Us Traveled. You're a busy guy. You guide all over the place. And 
I just want to also say that I look up to you as a fellow guide and thank you for your friendship. Thanks Mandela. It's been so cool to hang out with you in the fjord. You guys are exceptional people. I know you guys will be doing exceptional things. Next time I catch up with you, you'll, you'll have done incredible things and you'll be able to teach me and show me some amazing things that I need to learn. It's been a pleasure. Carl, let's end this show with three bits of advice you'd like to share with a listener. Google Earth is great. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> but no, you can use Google Earth and find amazing places. <laughs> But no, when you get into the places, my idea is to meet the local people. That's the whole drive of it. When you've met the local people, go to the rough pub and just settle down and have a conversation with a random person that you might not have a conversation with normally and get to know them and you'll find that they're going to be great people and they'll be the people that will tell you the most amazing things and the most amazing places to go because they're the people that know it inside out and, and they're the people that you'll learn from and you'll really get an experience out of life from I guess so don't underestimate anyone always take everyone's ideas on board and, and see where it takes you and don't discount these very local areas local places to hang out these are the best spots that's where all the magic happens so yeah get out there and explore keep finding new places to explore and, and finding new ways of doing it and find a good group of mates that love to do what you do and then you've got an incredible team and once you've got that going you're unstoppable really so yeah that becomes the real enjoyment pushing forwards with your friends doing incredible things that's the key Carl what song would you like to end the show with Bob Marley redemption song man very cool I think because it reminds me of summer and cruising around the beautiful beaches, remote beaches of New Zealand, just surfing these beautiful remote golden beaches with your great friends and just camping on the beach and listening to real chilled summer music like Bob Marley, you know, uh, Salmonella Dove or just something real cruisy and just getting into the summer water kind of lifestyle and uh, I think it reminds me of my summers of cruising around beautiful national parks like Abel Tasman and stuff like that, to be honest. That's some of my favourite times too. Kayaking and climbing the Abel Taz. Kia ora, Mandela here, your host of The Trail Less Travelled, an adventure series dedicated to documenting humanity by collecting sound effects and interviews from the most remote locations around the planet. You can subscribe to The Trail Less Travelled podcast on iTunes and check out traillesstravel.net to follow the show as it is recorded on location around the world. I would like to thank my guest for this week, Carl Tainamu. Carl is a nature guide in Fjordland National Park, Atafenawa, the land of shadows. And Carl has been based in Queenstown for the past two decades. Carl is a multi-talented adventurer who loves snowboarding, sailing, kayaking, and exploring everything his country has to offer with his closely knit tribe of fellow explorers. My name is Mandela, your host of The Trail Less Traveled, and my goal for the show is to take you, the listener, 
back to mankind's earliest form of entertainment, storytelling. Therefore, every week I will be interviewing an adventurer about what they do, how they do it, and how you can start adventuring in a similar fashion. The Trail as Traveled is recorded at the Missoula Broadcasting Company, nestled in the mountains of Missoula, Montana, or on location around the world in order for me to find these adventurers and connect with them in their natural habitat. Tonight's interview was recorded on the shores of Lake Wakatipu in Queenstown, New Zealand. My adventure tip this week is to research the use of merino wool as a base layer instead of polypropylene. Merino wool keeps you warm when it's cold and cool when it's hot. This extremely lightweight natural material is also soft and hardly ever smells, even after a week of sweating constantly in the backcountry. Well, that's it for this week, my friends in Missoula and around the world. But until next week's adventure, please get outside and shred the gnar. Because as you know, the gnar simply does not shred itself. <laughs> <laughs>